0: Two weeks ago, I preached to you about Stephen, and what a great man of God he was. He was a man full of faith, the Scripture says. He was full of the Holy Spirit. His sermon in Acts chapter 7 was very bold. He preached to his listeners the truth of God, and it cut to the very depth of their being. But instead of repenting like they should have done... They came rushing forward towards Stephen with their arms outreached. They grabbed a hold of him and they drug him outside of the city to kill him. I want to read to you the account of that murder. Chapter 7 of Acts, beginning with verse 54, reading through verse 60. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse, When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then, falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. And my question to you this morning is simply this. How could Stephen respond to his murderers the way that he did? How could he pray for their forgiveness? And at such a time as this, when he's being stoned to death, how could the glory of God be so prevalent on his face? Well, my answer to those questions may seem just too simplistic. It's because of the Holy Spirit who was living inside of him and filling filling him up. None of that could have been true for Stephen had it not been for the Holy Spirit who was living inside of him. That kind of response that Stephen had towards his murderers was not a natural response. Rather, it was a spiritual response due to the fact that the Holy Spirit was in him and ruling in his life. I want to show you a little video clip this morning of a modern-day Stephen. And the ones who are introducing him to you, I think you'll recognize them. Give your attention to this, please.
1: uh, a good part of the day in Oklahoma today uh, where uh, memorial service was held for Ingrid Williams uh, the wife of Monty Williams who was an Oklahoma City assistant coach and had obviously ties to the San Antonio Spurs Um, she died last week in a head-on accident uh, when a woman crossed the center line and hit her and they had five kids and uh, you you heard about uh, how powerful Monty Williams was um, when he spoke today. And so we felt it would be appropriate, uh, rather than talking hoops in this segment, just to give you a piece of what uh, Monty Williams had to say in the wake of uh, just unspeakable tragedy. This is hard for my family, but this will work out. And my wife would punch me if. I were to sit up here and whine about what's going on. That doesn't take away the pain. But it will work out because God causes all things to work out. You just can't quit. You can't give in. See, the Bible says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And America teaches us to just numb that, and it's not true, but it is true. All you got to do is look around you. Get outside of these walls and you know it's true. This will work out. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean it's not painful. Doesn't mean we don't have tough times and we're going to have tough times. What we need is the Lord. And that's what my wife tried to exhibit every single day. I'm going to close with this, and I think it's the most important thing that we need to understand. Everybody's praying for me and my family. Which is right. But let us not forget that there were two people in this situation. And that family needs prayer as well. And we have no ill will towards that family. In my house, we have a sign that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We cannot serve the Lord if we don't have a heart of forgiveness. That family didn't wake up wanting to hurt my wife. Life is hard, it is very hard, and that was tough, but we hold no ill will towards the Donaldson family. And we, as a group, brothers united in unity, should be praying for that family, because they grieve as well. So let's not lose sight of what's important. God will work this out. My wife is in heaven. God loves us. God is love. And when we walk away from this place today, let's celebrate because my wife is where we all need to be. And I'm envious of that. But I got five crumb snatchers I got to deal with. (laughs) I I love you guys for taking time out of your day to celebrate my wife. We didn't lose her. When you lose something, you can't find it. I know exactly where my wife is.
0: That is a modern-day Stephen, isn't it? And how could he say that everything was going to be okay? How could he even think about suggesting to his audience that they should pray for the Donaldson family, that they should forgive the Donaldson family? How how could he say those things? The only way that he could say them is because of who lives inside of him. The Holy Spirit, the one who is overflowing from him. You see, the Holy Spirit can lead us to do some very strange things from a worldly standpoint. But, but from God's viewpoint, it's not strange. Rather, it's the right thing to do. We could say it this way. It's the Jesus thing to do because he did the same thing. Jesus is there hanging on the cross and what's He? he's praying for those who are putting him to death. He's saying, Lord, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. It seems impossible to respond that way. But when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, ruling in our life, He will help us to do the unthinkable. He will help us to do that which seems the impossible to do. I've obviously not ever been in Monty Williams' shoes or in Stephen's shoes, and I'll I'll be honest with you this morning, I'd prefer not to be ever in their shoes, because their pain is so great. I I don't want to have that kind of pain. But one thing I do know, that whatever trial we go through, Jesus is going to be with us, Through the trial, he will not abandon us. He will not play hide and seek with us. He will be with us. Stephen, as he's dying, as he's being stoned to death, he raised his eyes towards heaven, and who did he see? He saw Jesus. And I'm sure that was an assurance to him that everything was going to be okay. And it was okay. In just a few moments, God would take his life and and bring him into heaven. And Jesus was going to be there with his arms wide open. And at that moment, all of Stephen's past hardships were forever gone. Now, Monty Williams, for him, it's a different case. His life goes on. Stephen's life ended, and it was glory for him. But for Monty Williams, his life goes on. His pain isn't for just a few moments. Rather, his pain lives on for days, for months, for years. And and I would imagine that as long as he has breath, he will have some pain from this experience. Some of you here this morning know his pain personally. The good news is Jesus is with us amidst our pain. If we will look up to him, we'll surely not miss him. He is there. It's in our pain that he is the nearest to us. C.S. Lewis used to say, he whispers to us in our pleasure, he shouts to us in our pain. He's there. It's in our pain that he is caring for us. His love is enduring. He will not forsake us. He will carry us through to the other side if we'll hold on to him. And yes, His promise is true. He can work all things together for the good of those who love Him, those who are called according to His purpose. And I'm thinking about this event in Monty Williams' life, and he's testifying to those in the crowd at his wife's funeral that God can work all things together for the good. I'm imagining that Monty Williams surely will not see all of the good that God does from what he had to say at his wife's funeral. Now, he's going to sense God's presence with him. He's going to sense God's power with him to get him through this trial. But he may never know all of the positive, all of the good that God will work through what he had to say that particular day. And even the fact that 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 clip is shown in Fort Scott, Kansas, right here at Community Christian Church. And maybe that clip encourages somebody this morning. Maybe it gives somebody strength. Monty Williams may never see that. But he's trusting in that promise. That God is going to work all things together for the good. God is bigger than than what we are. If we trust in Him amidst our trials, if we will hold on to Him, He will get us through. And somehow, some way, He will work that promise. Good will come from it. You may never see it, but one day you will see Him. And He will make all things right for you for all eternity. I mentioned to you two weeks ago that One of the good things that came from Stephen's death was the scattering of the church to the whole world. And those who scattered about went taking the gospel of Jesus with them. Up to this point, the gospel had pretty much been contained to Jerusalem. The church was growing in Jerusalem, but most of that growth was was just contained right there to that city. And Jesus, of course, wanted that growth to spread outside the city to the whole world. It was time for the Lord to flap His wings and get the little birdies out of their nest. And He used the death of Stephen to do that. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the, the apostles. Verse 3. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching. The word. So the Lord was able to take a terrible event and do something with that to work good from it. And He's the same God today as He was yesterday. He still can make all things work together for good to those who love Him and to those who are called according to His purpose. I ate lunch with a a fellow just a couple of weeks ago who has seen a lot of tragedy in his life. And it was in those tragedies that he found the Lord to be so very close to him and helping him and teaching him and transforming him to be the man that God wanted him to be. I look back over my own life and it's been in the valleys... That He has proven His faithfulness to me over and over again. When I have gone through those valleys, He has been with me. And He has been able to take those valleys in my life, and it's in those times that He has grown me into His likeness, and He has proven His faithfulness over and over again. He has never let me walk through those valleys by myself. David said this in Psalms 23, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for what? Thou art with me. And he will be. You go through valleys in your life. If you will look up as Stephen did, you will see him there with you. We need to reach out and hold on to him. Moving on in this chapter 8 of Acts, Luke begins to tell us about Philip's ministry in Samaria. It says that Philip was proclaiming Christ and people were giving attention to what he was saying. That's a pretty good combination were one to be proclaiming christ and others to be giving attention to what was being said let me read to you verse 35 of chapter 8 of acts i want you to see the content of what was being preached then Philip opened his mouth beginning from the scripture he preached Jesus to him that's what we need to be preaching Here in this church, whether it's me or Dusty or whoever it is standing in this pulpit, we need to be preaching Jesus because Jesus is the one who can change lives. Jesus is the one who can give to us hope. Jesus is the one who gives to us victory over sin. No one has ever loved us like Jesus has. Our preaching needs to be centered In Jesus, our witnessing, all of us together, our witnessing needs to be Christ-centered. And you know what? There are some out there who will listen to us obviously not everyone is going to listen to us not everyone wants to hear us talking about Jesus but there will be some out there who will listen and what a difference he can make in those people's lives he was making a difference in Samaria verse 8 of chapter 8 says there was so much rejoicing in that city I had a fellow come up to me just recently who has been drawing closer to Jesus in his life and he's making a habit of being in the Word of God on a regular basis. And you know what he said to me? He said, Kevin, I have never had so much peace in my life as what I have right now. And that's what Jesus can do for a person. And in a person, He can bring peace. He can bring joy. He can make everything okay, even when things are not okay. You know what I mean? mean, Things are not always okay in our life. But if we have Him as the centerpiece of our life, even when things are not okay, things can be okay. Jesus said it this way, in this world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And so even though everything in your life may not be okay, you can be okay because of Him who lives inside of you. There's an interesting passage of Scripture midway through chapter 8 of Acts. It's about a man named Simon. Simon was a magician. And we're not talking about a person who can play tricks on you with a a deck of cards or, or do amazing things through the sleight of hand. No, we're talking something a whole lot different than that. We're talking about sorcery. We're talking about witchcraft. We're talking about the power of darkness in Simon's life where the evil one had empowered him to do astonishing things, the text says. He was able to mesmerize the people through the power that the devil had given to him to a point that the people were calling him the great, Power of God. I was thinking about this. We we shouldn't be surprised at this. When something good begins to happen in the name of Jesus, as it was happening there in Samaria, the church was growing, people were coming to Jesus, there was great joy in the city because of what Jesus was doing in their lives, we should not be surprised that Satan somehow shows up. And he did. He shows up, and this man named Simon made me think of one of my trips to India back in 2005. We had the opportunity on that trip to sit down and listen to the testimony of several Indian preachers that worked with Ajay Law. And I remember one particular preacher, Mihar Singh, was 72 years old at the time. He was their oldest preacher that worked for CICM. This one man had started over 30 churches and he had baptized over 3,000 people into Jesus. And in his testimony, he was telling us about a time that he met a man who was a magician. And he had such... Strong demonic power. This man, Mihar Singh said, he could put a curse on someone and they could just fall down because of the curse that was put upon them. He would put a curse upon someone and they would just start bleeding. And Mihar Singh approached this fellow and told him that the power that he was using was from the devil. And Mihar Singh said, I have a greater power than what you have. And the man wanted to argue with him. He said, no, you don't. And and he said, you don't have that kind of power over me, this magician said. And so Mihar Singh challenged him. He said this, whoever has the greatest power, the other one has to follow his God. And as he is giving this testimony and he says that, I mean, it's like bells going off in my mind. Uh, a, a replay, a page out of 1 Kings chapter 18 when Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And the magician actually agreed. Whoever has the most Power. The other one has to follow his God. And so he tried to put a curse on Miharsing and nothing happened. And by this time, a pretty large crowd had gathered and was watching and listening. And absolutely nothing happened to Miharsing. No bleeding, no falling down. Miharsing then prayed... And the magician lost all of his power. He couldn't put a curse on anybody at that point. And it wasn't long after that that the magician and his whole family came to Mihar Singh, wanting to be baptized into Jesus. And Mihar Singh said that he would baptize him on this condition. We will go back to that place where we had that confrontation, and we will gather all of those same people there who were watching and listening, and you will be baptized in front of those people. And so that is what they did. They went back, and Mihar Singh baptized that fellow and What an impact was made on that entire area, Mihar Singh said. I told you about Mahi Paul not too long ago, who was a preacher in the Delhi area. Before he was a Christian, he was closely connected with a fellow who worked black magic. And me, me, Mahipal's son became very sick. And he and his wife took their sick son to several doctors trying to get help for him to no avail. And so me, Mahipal went to his, his friend who worked black magic and he asked him, Can you heal my son? Do you know what the fellow's response was to him? He said, I cannot heal, I can only kill. What I'm saying to you this morning is simply this, that what Simon in Acts chapter 8 was dealing with was very real and very dark. But I want you to know that Jesus is greater. Do you believe that? Jesus is greater Jesus is stronger. When the people in Acts 8 heard the gospel preaching of Philip, verse 12 says, they believed and they were baptized into Jesus. And verse 13 says, that even Simon himself believed and was baptized. Now that's pretty awesome. God's... God's arms are open to all people, and God's power is greater than the power of darkness. And and if Simon the magician can be saved, then the message to us is simply this anybody can be saved who comes to Jesus. Don't ever think that someone is unreachable. What happens, though, when someone gets saved? Well, the old devil, he shows up. He doesn't go and get off in the corner and pout because someone has given their life to Jesus. He doesn't give up. No, he rallies the troops and he tries harder than ever to pull that person away from Jesus. And if you read on in this story about Simon's conversion, there are two people... Peter and John, who show up. They show up in Samaria from the church in Jerusalem. They are there to give support. They are there to give encouragement to the people of Samaria. And as they are there, they are laying their hands on people to impart to them the power to do miraculous works. And Simon is looking on. And he's seen Peter and John laying their hands on people and and doing miraculous things through the power of God. And Simon likes what he sees. And he says, hmm, I want some of that. I want some of that power. And so he offered Peter money that if Peter would give to him the power to lay his hands on people and impart the Holy Spirit to them, well, Peter didn't like that. And he really, really got after Simon. Let me read to you from chapter 8, beginning with verse 20 through 23. He says, But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you, for thinking God's gift can be bought. You you can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps He will forgive you your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive sin, Would you say that Peter was just a little bit straightforward? (laughs) I'd say he certainly was. He was a type A personality. I mean, he was confrontive and you never had any doubt as to what Peter was thinking because he was going to tell you. But it was the truth and Simon needed to hear it. Look and see what Simon's response was. To Peter, verse 24, he said, pray to the Lord for me that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. The good news, my brothers and sisters, is that the door for repentance is always open to us. Simon took a wrong turn. And he needed to repent. The flesh had a strong pull and he gave in. He said, I'd like to have some of that power. And Peter said, that power is not for sale. You need to repent. What I'd like for us to take away from this sermon is simply this. We need to hold on to Jesus. Because trials are going to come just like they did for Stephen. Trials are going to come just like they did for Monty Williams. Our trials may not be in the same way as what he's experiencing, but trials will come come our way temptation will come just as it came for simon and satan's intent through all of this through the trials and through the temptation is to tear us away from jesus and we need to be on guard we need to recognize this the devil's tactics we need to hold on to jesus and that's my question for you will you Hold on to Jesus. When trials come, will you hold on to Jesus? When temptations come, will you hold on to Jesus? Matthew 24, 13 says, The one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Would you read that with me? But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Hold on to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we believe it, though we may not be able to see exactly how. But we believe that if, you, that if we hold on to you, you will make everything okay. And I know there are people here even this morning that are going through major trials in their lives. May they hold on to you. And I'm confident that every one of us have trials laying ahead of us. May we determine to hold on to you. Thank you that you have our lives and this world in your hands. We trust you. We believe in you. In Jesus' name.